said in Belmont, Maine. Well, good morning, friends. How are you all doing this morning? And uh, kind of quiet here this morning uh, on this Monday morning, but uh, that's all right. Uh, we'll take it anyway. Maybe it's the subject matter. It could be talking about husbands and wives here in the passage that we are in in First Peter. Uh, Peter was a married man. Peter... Uh, understood the challenges of marriage and ministry. And so in speaking to marriage and ministry, uh, he understood. He understood what it was like to leave his wife behind and follow Jesus everywhere he went. He understood that. But yet he also understood the responsibility to care for his wife. Uh, and I think the chosen perhaps does a, a good job of at least surfacing 
some of the struggle that may have been a part of uh, Peter's life following Jesus. And and when a person decides to follow Jesus, uh, it can create the, the, the sense of trouble uh, in the home when there's one that wants to follow Jesus and the other, it's like, okay, I'll be a Christian, but it's about as far as it goes. Or even worse yet, when you have a spouse that is <clears throat> resistance to resistant to your faith. I mean, that's that's even more challenging. Peter gets into it. Uh, it's very interesting how he begins chapter three, First Peter chapter three, as it says uh, this. This is the message paraphrase saying the same goes for you wives. Let's look at the NIV eighty four wives in the same way. Same way as what? Well, when you go back to chapter two, it was talking about submission to authority. It was talking about how we regard those uh, who who are over us um, in the same way as Jesus says, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live righteousness by his wounds we've been healed. Uh, th- this whole section of scripture in First uh, Peter chapter 2, uh, talking about just the way that we are to submit. And so... I mean, it's not popular. It's not highly popular, especially not popular in contemporary American culture. But Peter does say this, wives in the same way be submissive to your husbands. In other words, follow their lead. And he says, if any of them do not believe the word, uh, in fact, it doesn't just say if any, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words, by the behavior of their wives. Now, there's all kinds of ways that you can approach this. One way that some wives will approach this is uh, in a musical fashion. And by that, what I mean is they harp. Harp, harp, harp. You know what I mean by harp? They nag, 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 nag. Uh, I had a relative who was like this, and uh, this relative uh, just constantly just just nagged his uh she she nagged her husband constantly and uh he never divorced her in fact they're both still alive they've probably been married 60 years but but he was uh publicly known uh i mean there was nothing hidden about this that he slept around all over the place in his younger years probably into his 60s, maybe still doing it for all I know. I don't know, but uh, it, relatives of mine and uh, just slept around different girls, you know, and but yet never divorced her. Uh, and because she was a Christian, she would never pu- push the divorce issue because she was one that thought, well, divorce any at any level is always wrong. That was her stance on things, and so never divorced him. Uh, and yet, and I would tell you, uh, she would not only would harp on her husband, uh, she harped on pretty much anybody. And it was so negative. It just, it just didn't, it didn't invite people to Jesus at all. Um, l- at least of all her own husband. So Peter says, why is the same way be submissive to your husband? So if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. 
Uh, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives, when they see your worship, when they see you walking with God, may that be the thing that that causes them to say, hey, I want to be a part of this. I, I want to follow this Jesus that you follow. I want to have this experience that you have. Your, your life radiates something. And you know, when we're when we're bound up in legalism, or when we're bound up in harpism, or when we're bound up in uh, hypocrisy, even uh, our lives don't speak very loudly. But when we have that sparkle uh, in our in our eyes as husbands or as wives because of Christ, it can have an impact on our spouse, and and so. For women who do not have a believing husband, um, the best thing you can do uh, is a respect them. Uh, in fact, there's much to be said about a woman, a woman's respect. Now, I understand, I get it. I mean, some women would say, "Well, the man needs to be respectable." I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I will give you that. I will. Uh, I, I concur with that, but. Um, Sometimes there is a measure of respectability, and when that respect isn't given, it can turn them off. Women need security. They need love. They need safety. They need tenderness. Uh, men need respect. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things we could get into this morning about what men's, his needs, her needs. What, what men, in fact, there's a book by that name, His Needs, Her Needs, and, uh, some of you that are listening this morning are a tad bit older, um, but there's still things that could be learned or things that could be taught to younger people. Uh, it's a phenomenal book. Uh, it's an older book, actually, dated, but his needs, her needs. What does a woman need? What does a man need? I wonder if here, some 20, 25, 30 years later after that book was first published, I don't know when it was first published, um, I have to go back and research that, uh, if if we would say, hey, the needs for women and needs for men are still the same as they were when that book was published, or if they're different in today's era, I don't know. But to think about what are the needs of a wife, what are the needs of a husband, how do we meet those needs uh, so that people can be won over to Christ. Uh, just looking at, at these verses, and I'm going to come back to some of the comments here, have a little fun with that. Uh, um Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. The New Living Translation says, in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They'll be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. I mean, not that much different than what it uh, says in the uh, the NIV translation, the New Living Translation, pretty close. And that that is what I'm using personally now is the New Living Translation. Uh, I have friends that have gone the other way, but I want to be in a, in a place where I uh, can, can keep things simple for people. That's, that's my particular approach, personal philosophy. Let's try to keep things simple, boil them down to simplicity. Now, some of you guys are talking about words I can't even say. I'm looking at the comments here. What what is this word? Um, I, I uh, octo something. Of course, I'm being silly here. Octogenarianism. 
That is the word that is used in the comments, which means 80s. Well, hey, Priscilla, uh, I mean, there's a few of you who were in that. It's only a number, a scary number, but only a number. Well, hey, I would say this when you're in your 80s, look how close you are to 100. How many people make it that far? I, I think it is uh, an absolutely astounding thing. I think it's a fantastic thing to make it up and into your 80s. Sorry about my associates in the background here. They heard some noise and thought it uh, deserved a good bark. So uh, Priscilla, bringing it back around away from octogenarianism, saying a factor in in Pastor Neal's salvation uh, was his observance of his wife's life of Bible study and the worship of God. Uh, that, that That brought him about. And that that's exactly what we're talking about. You know, some people, they get the Bible and it's like, they just start going after, you need to stop doing that. You need to not, you know, you need to stop drinking. You need to stop smoking. You need to stop using that language. You need to stop telling those jokes. Uh, You need to start wearing clothes. You need to, whatever, you know, and, and and no, when, 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 uh, like pastor, what was her name? It was a unique name. I, I don't remember her name, Priscilla, the pastor's wife's name. Um, and I, I won't retrieve it either. It, it got put in the file, but only like in one line. So it's not like it was put in there several times. So May, yes, thank you. Thank you. You know, he, he would see an open Bible. He, he would see her going to church and how happy she was and what joy she had. And that's what drew him and, and to salvation in the first place. But then he ended up being a pastor. And Stephen Priscilla's pastor down in Reedville uh, for a period of time. And um, what benefit? Uh, and all because of just the demeanor all because of, of her application of of what this is saying here. Uh, and then it goes on and says this in verse 3. It says, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. Now, listen, I heard Charles R. Swindoll say this, Dr. Charles R. Swindoll, Chuck, say this one time. Uh, what What Chuck had to say was, uh, you know, he, this verse isn't saying don't look pretty. Uh, I like it when my light, wife looks pretty. You know, of course, my wife in my eyes is always pretty. Even when she gets out of bed in the morning, she is always beautiful, always gorgeous to me. But there's nothing wrong with, uh, uh, you know, a, a little a little makeup maybe or brush the hair, uh some hair coloring, nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with nice clothes, uh, nothing wrong with a little parfum, uh, you know, nothing wrong with a little... The, the issue that, that Peter is making is not don't wear these things, and I have heard people who would take this passage and say, you shouldn't have fancy hairstyles. That's not what Peter's trying to say. Uh, they'd say you shouldn't wear jewelry. He's not trying to say that either. You shouldn't wear beautiful clothes. You should wear you know, ankle length, uh, uh, 
denim skirts only, you know, and uh, loose fit, loose fitting blouses and so on and so forth. And I don't think that's what Peter's saying. What Peter's what Peter is saying is don't put all the emphasis on the outside. Put the emphasis on what comes from the inside. In fact, the very next verse is going to say that to us. Nothing wrong with with nice hair. Ladies, we like it when you have nice hair. This is what Charles R. Swindoll said. I never did finish what he said. He said, if the barn needs painting, paint it. Now, I'm not sure how Cynthia felt about him saying that. That that was his wife or is his wife. I don't think she is. They're both in their 90s now, I think. Definitely in their 80s. I I think Chuck has turned 90 now and still still in ministry. Um, And and, uh, of another era, still quite a bit with insight for living goes on, but you know, that was his comment and, and people laughed, people gasped, uh, nothing wrong with looking good, nothing wrong with smelling good, nothing wrong with a good shower, but what really will make the difference for the spiritual aspect of husband's life is this verse four, you should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Now, what would happen is uh, some of these women would look great on the outside. And maybe you've been around people. I mean, some models are like this. You know, you you, you see them, they look absolutely stunning. Uh, but then when you just observe them, they're like just nasty attitudes, uh, demeaning, um, belittling, condescending. Uh, and maybe you've been around people like that, 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 you know, are just absolutely stunning on the outside, but what comes from the inside just seethes of of nastiness. And so Peter is addressing that and saying, "No, let let the let it be in the inside." And you know what? And I would say I don't think it matters whether you're married or not married. Uh, in fact, I would say for all of us as believers, this is not only a woman thing; it's it's a, it's an for all believers to to have this. This being clothed with a beauty that comes from within, uh, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious to God. Now, some some women are, I'm going to tell it like it is. No, probably not. I'm going to tell it like it is. It's probably more like what it would be like. But but anyway, um, uh, Peter is admonishing the women to not be like that, to have a gentle and quiet spirit. And, and I would say for any of us, if if we're effervescent with the life of Christ, that, that people would see Jesus in us and would say, there's just something about you. What is it? I want what you have. Uh, it, that's what I think we need to be thinking about and how we live our lives. That, that, that there would be a, a pleasant aroma. And I'm not talking about, you know, like, a deodorant aftershave. I'm talking about an aroma of Christ, that people would see Christ, that they would smell Christ, that they would taste Christ, that they would experience Christ flowing out of our lives. I think that's for all believers. But especially in this circumstance, as Peter is writing to and addressing right now, addressing women with unbelieving husbands, let the beauty come from the inside and work its way out. He goes on and says this. Again, I'm in the New Living Translation this morning. It says, this is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. 
They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. Uh, He points to Sarah as an example. Now, it's very interesting. Sarah was the one that would say to Abraham, look, uh, I'm not getting pregnant. We're not having offspring. Sarah is the one that would turn uh, Abraham onto Hagar. Very interesting. Why? Because she probably felt depressed in her life. She felt downcast. She felt disillusioned. She felt disappointed. All D words there for the record. And why? Because not able to have offspring. And yet God had made this, this incredible promise that from the offspring, the people, I talked about people yesterday, from the offspring of Abraham, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Now, we know that there were a couple offspring. There was uh, Ishmael, and then there was Isaac. And we know that there has been conflict in the Middle East ever since because Abraham and Sarah actually didn't do it God's way. They didn't trust God's promise enough. And you know what? Abraham might have been such a man, and Hagar might have been enough younger. He'd go, okay, that sounds good to me. I'll go do that. Uh, Because his wife instructed him to to go have another woman. I'm not saying that's what we ought to do. I'm just saying that knowing men, I am one. You know, if that's what she said, and they didn't have the scriptures, they didn't have the moral code written as we have it to know right from wrong, uh, he went along with it. Yet, nonetheless, for all those years, Sarah had been submissive and obeyed him. Um, so the idea of this inward beauty, uh, this, this gaze toward Christ, this love of the scriptures, this love of the worship, the love of, wor- uh, uh, of being together with God's people at the church, you know, uh, something that the husbands as unbelieving spouses would see and would go, you know, this just makes you so happy. This makes you so fulfilled. I want you to continue to be this way. It's when we come home or when women would come home from church and get after the husbands, you know, you need to. Rah, 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 rah. Uh, they just tune it out. Click. I'll go out to the garage. Hey, I'm going to go out and cut the grass. Uh, I'm going to go out on the boat. I'm going to to get away from her. Don't be that type of woman if you are married to a non-believing man. And if you're not married, because we have some in our listening family who are divorcees or some who are widows or widowers, um, some of this would still apply about having the wonder of Jesus evident in your life. Now, he, he turns from addressing the women to uh, addressing the husbands here in verse 7. Let me move this on the screen. One verse alone that we get for the husbands, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Now, I'm going to put this in the NIV 84. Uh, It's 
more toward the bottom of the page now it says husbands in the same way same way be considerate as you live with your wives treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers sometimes men we have to say what's why won't god answer my prayers sometimes we just need to look at home you know do we treasure our treasure We should treasure our spouse. We should treasure our wives. I'll put this back in the New Living Translation. Give honor to your wives. Men, if you're married, honor your wife. Men, treat them with understanding. Try to understand. I need to do a better job. I'm just going to confess. I need to do a better job. I need to listen more intently. I, I need to stop whatever it is I'm thinking about, whatever I'm doing, whatever email I'm sending, whatever text message I'm sending, whatever Facebook thing I'm posting, I need to stop, lay it down and go give her my full. I'm, I'm just confessing to you that that is what I need to do. I don't do as good a job there as I need to do. Now it says she may be weaker. Now in our day, we might not like hearing she may be weaker, um, physically at least. Um, I, I, there, I, I look around, it's some women I know who have absolutely incredible fortitude, absolutely incredible fortitude, and uh, stronger than men. In fact, I was thinking about that uh, over the weekend, Friday and Saturday, I think, about some women I know that just run circles around us. Men, men we need to do better. And it's not a competition. Uh, or when women are so very, very good at things, we need to tell them how good they are at those things and get out of their way. So she may be weaker than you are, but then it goes on and says this, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. And, and I think that that makes it pretty accurate. We're equal partners in the gift of new life. It isn't that men have something over it in women when it comes to the gift of new life, when it comes to being given the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, I'm just saying I, I, I'm longing to see the day where, where there are men uh, around me uh, in who, who, and there are some, don't, don't get me wrong, I, there are some, but where it's just absolutely evident that you have men who are chasing after God. On, on Friday, we did 36 baptisms out at Fairhaven. And... Uh, you know, one, one little young man, and I don't remember which one, there were so many, uh, said this, I want, I, I'm getting baptized because I want to show people I want to chase after God. And that is exactly it. I want to chase after God. And so, friends, I, I want to encourage you. It doesn't matter if you're a man. It doesn't matter if you're a woman. May we be people who are chasing after God. Now, it's interesting, the very last sentence in this section says, treat her as you should so your hair, your prayers will not go hindered. Um, I almost said hairs. Well, my hairs, my hairs are kind of hindered. I was trying to say prayers, so your prayers will not be hindered. Sometimes we look and go, what's wrong? Why does God answer my prayers? Maybe it's because it's how we treat our wife. 
That could be a reason Peter indicates that a problem in our prayer life might be the treatment of our spouse. Let's round it out and say the way we treat our husband, the way we treat our wife might, in fact, hinder our spiritual life. Uh, We are not, our spiritual life and our marital life are not divorced from one another. No pun intended there. They go together. And, And even... You know, somebody uh, now sharing this in her comments here in the comment section saying, well, in church yesterday, the Holy Spirit told me to go check on my husband. So I left the church, got into my car, drove home, checked on him. He was quite surprised, and he saw God and was surrounded by the aroma of God. You know, this message uh, confirms to me that I did what God wanted me to do. You know, and, and for us to learn how to be responsive to the Holy Spirit when he prompts us to do things. Now, we always have to make sure it's the Holy Spirit, but like Nell says, what she found when she got home was confirmation she did what she was supposed to do. Men, if you're married, love your wife like Christ loves the church. Women, uh, if you're married, uh, honor your husbands. Don't beride him. Don't belittle him. Pray for him. Uh, be pleasant for him. Uh, all of us, men, women, younger, older, whether we're in our 20s or whether we're in, because we have people in their 20s that do check in and listen, uh, or if we're octogenarians uh, like Steve Harriman or Priscilla, Walter, uh, or others that are in their 80s, Jean, if she, when she listens in, doesn't matter. May the aroma of Christ be present and evident in our lives. May people experience Jesus through us. Lord, today we come to you. May we have the aroma of Christ in our marriages. May we have the aroma of Christ in our lives, so much so that Others would want this Jesus that we have. May we not be bound in religion, but be caught up in relationship with our great Savior. And Lord, we're mindful today to pray as we pray every day, to pray for our brothers and sisters in India in need of food, especially the orphans. Lord, would you provide, especially Santhus, who listens in, uh, Lord, would you provide for their needs. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, in our lives today, be glorified. Have a good day.